Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in that day he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. God created a Sabbath for his people. It was a day of rest. There is an Old Testament Sabbath and there is a New Testament Sabbath. I'm going to present the New Testament Sabbath first because once you hear the Old Testament Sabbath, you're going to sit there and shudder because of the requirements that were put upon man to fulfill the Sabbath. The New Testament Sabbath is best explained by Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into God's rest, lest any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Let me give you an illustration of this. In 2021, I was bombarded with thoughts. What will you do if this happens? What will you do if that happens? You're 83 now. What will you do? How will you handle this? What will you do if this happens? And I cried out to God, God, help me. And I heard, God will supply all your need. And I said, that's right. God will supply all my need. That's what, I, that's what will happen. If something does happen, God will bring me everything I need to meet the problem. And I rested greatly in that word. I was really happy. I rejoiced in that word. It comforted me enormously. It was like a weight had been on my shoulders from the word brought by the devil, which was, what will you do if this happens? That was like a weight pressing down on my shoulders. The second God brought me the word by the Holy Spirit, I was at rest in that word because I believed it. See, by faith, we enter into his rest. We hear his word on the matter at hand. And because we have his word, at that second, we say, oh, yes, that's what will happen. And we believe it. And we, by faith, enter into God's rest. That is our Sabbath. It's a state of rest that we are supposed to live in continually as long as we are left on this present earth. Problems happen. We turn to God. He speaks to us and comforts us and shows us the solution by the Holy Spirit bringing it to our mind 
And then we rejoice and are at rest because we believe what God has said to us. And that is the Sabbath for the New Testament church. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remained that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first breached entered not in because of unbelief. They didn't believe what God said, therefore they didn't enter into his rest. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into God's rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For in the New Testament church, the Sabbath is a continual ceasing from our own fleshly works. We have a problem arise, and we call out to God for help. And we hear from God, and we do what he says. But so many people have a problem arise, and they plan what they will do out of their own mind and intellect. Or they go to a neighbor asking what they think they should do. Or they go to their mate and discuss it with their mate. Or they go maybe even to a preacher and say, what do you think I should do? None of those people know the future. God knows the future. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows everything about us. When we call on him, he provides exactly what we need at the moment we call on him. And when we hear what he says, We're comforted and we believe and we relax because we are in rest, in faith, in what God has said to us. God has equipped us with his Holy Spirit to show us what to do. And the Holy Spirit brings to our mind the word of God to lead us and comfort us. And put us back into a state of rest when we are disturbed 
by fearful thoughts. Living in a state of rest is living in the New Testament Sabbath. Keeping yourself in a state of peace as long as you live on this present earth by turning to God in prayer and presenting the matter to God and asking Him what you should do and then doing what He says. That's living by faith and that is living in peace and that is living in a state of rest which is the Sabbath. And we continually live in the Sabbath, a state of rest in God by trusting in what God has said to us. Let's compare the New Testament Sabbath with the Old Testament Sabbath. Exodus 31, start at verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Now they didn't have the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament except for a few people. The prophets had the old Holy Spirit. Moses, for example, had the Holy Spirit. So God said to Moses, Speak to them, to the children of Israel, and tell them this. At that time, God didn't usually speak directly to the children of Israel. But in the New Testament, God speaks directly to us by His Son, Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. That is in Hebrews chapter 1. So we see that there's a vast difference between the way God dealt with his people in the Old Testament and the way God deals with us today in the New Testament. The minute God communicates with us and reveals himself to us, we are sealed with his Spirit. That's in Ephesians chapter 1. We have the Holy Spirit inside us. This means everything. That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus tells us what the Holy Spirit does for us. John chapter 14, verse 26 John chapter 16, verse 13. First, in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Now, I have found that the Holy Spirit teaches us not just about spiritual things, but about secular things. I used to own a business in 1975 when I was born again. It was in Dallas, Texas, and it was in American Indian Arts. I would go out to the reservations to buy jewelry. Before I went to the reservations, I would pray, asking God to please have the Indian artist make the items that I needed to buy for my shop. Now, I don't know which items I need to buy, so I depended on God 
to show me by his spirit what to buy, to teach me all things, to guide me into all truth. These are things the Holy Spirit does. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, And he will remind you of all I have said unto you. When I was born again, my best friend came to me and said, Joni, you've got to memorize scripture. She said, I've enrolled you in Bible Memory Association, and what you will do is you will memorize one verse of scripture a week, per week, one verse of scripture a week. And then you quote that verse of scripture to me, and I turn it in as your sponsor to Bible Memory Association. This was one of the hardest things that I have ever done to try to memorize one verse of scripture a week. Now, Donna and I didn't know one thing about the Holy Spirit. Many church members don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Donna was raised Baptist. This is not the main thing they teach in the churches, but it's one of the most important things that you can learn. For the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. The Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to you the will of God so you will know what to do as you walk on this earth. What can be more important than that? But we didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So we began this program in Bible Memory Association, and I had to memorize one verse of Scripture a week and then quote it by memory to Donna, and I found that to be very difficult. That is man's plan. But God's yoke is easy. His burden is light, Matthew 11.30. God has a way for us to live Scripture. And then it's quite easy to quote it if you're living it. If you have a verse of Scripture before you day and night, and you are living that verse of Scripture, you'll be able to quote it as needed. And if you forget it, God will bring it back to your attention. That's God's way to approach Scripture. But we didn't know those things when I was first born again. But God began immediately to teach me these things. So we see the difference between the New Testament church and the Old Testament church immediately. Moses was a prophet appointed by God to lead the children of Israel. And in Exodus 31, what did God say to Moses? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath shall ye keep. So the law of Moses came down to the children of Israel through God. God told Moses what to tell them. Moses told them. He was faithful and obedient to tell them what God said. And in verse 14, Ye shall keep the Sabbaths, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein on the Sabbath day, that soul shall be cut off 
from among his people. There are so many interesting scriptures under the subject of the Sabbath. There were severe penalties for failing to keep the Sabbath, even penalties of being put to death. One of the things they could not do on the Sabbath is to light a fire in their tent to cook their food. They had to gather their food the day before the Sabbath, and they had to prepare their food the day before the Sabbath. They weren't even permitted to leave their tent on the Sabbath. And they weren't permitted to speak secular things on the Sabbath. You'll hear these rules as I continue to quote these Old Testament scriptures. In the wilderness, they had to gather a double portion of manna on the day before the Sabbath because God did not provide that manna on the Sabbath. He told them to gather a double portion. No one was allowed to gather food on the Sabbath nor to prepare food on the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. And he, Moses, said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that which ye will seethe, and that which remaineth lay up for you to be kept until the morning. One day I was at the grocery store and I was waiting to check out with my groceries and it was a Sunday. A woman in front of me was really upset with the cashier. She said, I can't believe you are working on a Sunday. The cashier said, well, they called me to come in to work and somebody was ill and she said, I just had to do it. And this woman said, well, I just can't believe you're doing this. They were obviously from the same church group. She continued to chastise this cashier. And I spoke up and said to this woman who was chastising the cashier, if you want to live by the Old Testament laws, then you can't be in this grocery store buying groceries on a Sunday. On the Sabbath, you have to rest in your tent all day. You can't even shop. You can't go out and buy groceries on a Sabbath. You can't prepare your food on the Sabbath. You have to do it the day before. I can't believe you're standing here in this checkout line on the day that you think to be the Sabbath. But if you want to live by Old Testament law, you're going to have to live by all of the Old Testament law. That woman tur turned basically white, ghostly white. She didn't say another word to me or the checker. She just fled the grocery store after paying for her groceries. Exodus 31, concerning the Old Testament Sabbath. Verse 15. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh 
is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord, whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Here is a very interesting example of the great severity brought by God when a man dared to work on the Sabbath. Numbers chapter 15, start at verse 32. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward because it was not declared what should be done to him. Verse 35, And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. Verse 36, And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died, as the Lord commanded Moses. God is so righteous. He cannot stand when things are done wrong. There is a penalty. In the New Testament church, very often you are given some type of image of God as being like a kind grandfather who just wants you to be happy. And of course he approves your divorce and remarriage. And of course he approves homosexuals and lesbians. And of course he approves all these things because it makes you happy. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the homosexuals and lesbians were turned over to vile affections. It was God who turned them over to the vile affections. You can read that in Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 26. God said the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. There are several chapters and verses of Scripture concerning divorce and remarriage. It says the woman who divorces and remarries commits adultery. Several verses of Scripture on that subject. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Mark chapter 10. Jesus says the man who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against his wife. The woman who divorces her husband and marries another commits adultery against her first husband. There are many chapters on this subject of divorce and remarriage. I've spoken this many, many times. You can hear podcasts on it easily. I've got many podcasts on this subject. You can just type into your Bible divorce, remarriage, and you'll find many scriptures on that subject. We had a woman in our church group who wanted to remarry after divorce. She had already found a potential husband. She took him and they went to a pastor of some church. 
and she asked, Can I remarry as a divorced woman? This pastor said, My sister divorced and remarried? I don't see any reason you can't remarry as a divorced woman. Years later, she was born again. She read the Bible. She saw she had committed adultery when she remarried as a divorced woman. She saw by the Bible. And she was so upset with the pastor who had told her that she could remarry as a divorced woman. We all have Bibles. In the New Testament church today, don't we have Bibles? We have very easy ways to look up subjects on divorce. Just write it into your Kindle. If you're using a Kindle tablet, type in divorce and pull up all the scriptures on the subject and read them. You don't have to go to a pastor. Read them and pray and ask God to show you the truth. But read the scriptures, for they will show you the truth. There's a scripture in the New Testament. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul talks about the judgment seat of Christ. And he says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul knew what God was like. He knew God wasn't this grandfather figure that they bring to you today in the churches. God is very just and very righteous. There is a penalty for sins. Granted, Jesus paid for our sins by his own blood. But if you sin willfully after the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for sin. I'm quoting Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. We are warned in verse 25 to exhort one another and even more as you see the day approaching. Even more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Warn each other because the day of judgment is coming when each of us will be judged for what we have done on this earth, whether good or bad. It's not a one-time saying, I accept Jesus as my Savior. You've got a life to live after you do that. You have a New Testament which has laws of God in the New Testament. We don't go by the law of Moses, but we do go by the New Testament laws. Here is a commandment of the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, this is a commandment of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, he said, Thus I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the man put away his wife. We had a man in our church group who filed divorce proceedings against his wife. And as soon as I heard this, I called him and I said, I've heard that you have filed divorce papers against your wife. And he said, yes, that's true. And I said, was she unfaithful to you? He said, no, no. 
And I said, that's the only reason, scriptural reason, for you to divorce your wife. And I sent him to Matthew 5, verse 32. Apparently, he he read this and seriously considered what it said. Because he withdrew those divorce papers and stopped the divorce proceedings against his wife after reading this scripture. Matthew 5, 32, Jesus said, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. If you divorce a faithful wife and she goes out and remarries, she commits adultery. The man who marries her commits adultery, but you will be the cause of her adultery. We have Bibles. We can read our New Testament Bible, and we will find that we have rules from God Laws of God set forth in the New Testament Bible. It's up to us to believe those rules and to structure our life according to that which is written in the New Testament Bible, agreeing with what God says. For all scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable to us in correcting our ways in knowing the the correct doctrine. So it's up to each of us to read the New Testament, pay attention, and structure our life by agreeing with the Word of God and living according to that Word. Concerning the Old Testament Sabbath, Isaiah 58, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call a Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor God, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. If you do those things, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, says God, and I will feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. This is the Old Testament Sabbath. You had to stay in your tent all day. You couldn't cook your food. You couldn't go shopping on the Sabbath. You couldn't do things that pleased yourself, that brought you pleasure. You couldn't even speak your own words of your own ideas on the Sabbath. All of this is in Isaiah 58. If we went by Old Testament Sabbath rules, we couldn't turn on television. We couldn't go shopping. We couldn't cook in the kitchen. We couldn't do any of these things. We couldn't read secular books. But we don't go by Old Testament rules. 
Now, do you really want to go by the Old Testament and say, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? Is that what you want to do? Like some do, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, of course, none of us want to do that. The Old Testament Sabbath was simply a symbolism for us in ceasing from our own works and calling upon God to show us what to do day by day. Every day for us is a Sabbath. We live free from the Old Testament laws. And in our freedom, we are helped by God because we call on God asking him what we should do about this problem. This happened to me a few years ago. It was a Friday. It was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was going to go to the grocery store. I went out to the garage, got in my car, turned the key. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. I cried out to God, what am I supposed to do about this? I heard, quickly call your mechanic. I got out of the car and quickly went into the kitchen and used the kitchen phone and called my mechanic. And he said, I was just getting ready to go out of, out of my door. And I said, well, I need a new battery. He said, well, on the, as I'm heading home, I'll bring a battery by to your house and put it in and install it. I think he was closed on Saturday and Sunday. I just reached the mechanic in the nick of time because I heard from the Holy Spirit, quickly, call your mechanic. Looking at other scriptures on the Old Testament Sabbath, Exodus 20, start at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that's within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. That's Old Testament. Exodus 35, start at verse 1. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together, and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded, that ye should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be unto you an holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein on the seventh day shall be put to death. Verse 3, ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day, Therefore, no food preparation could be done, no shopping, no entertaining of yourself, no secular books, 
the Sabbath in the Old Testament would have been strictly a rest to God all day. You couldn't even leave your tent. Mark chapter 3, verse 2. And they watched Jesus, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. It was a very hard transition between Old Testament and New Testament. They were always accusing Jesus of wrongdoing on the Sabbath. But you can see, listening to these Old Testament scriptures, how that could be done. And you can see the scribes and the Pharisees who had evil hearts and were envious against Jesus. And while the people would rejoice that they had been healed, they condemned Jesus for healing because he healed on the Sabbath. Matthew chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, and they asked him, they asked Jesus, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he, Jesus, said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, Will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? In Luke 13, they were after Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. And in verse 15 of Luke 13, the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, dost not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him Away to watering? Now here's a question for us to answer. What day is the Sabbath? Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? Also consider this. If you want to live by Old Testament law, you have to do all of the Old Testament law. We don't live by Old Testament law in the New Testament. We don't live by law of Moses. We don't sacrifice animals and use their blood as they did in the Old Testament under the commandment of God. They did this as they used their blood as a temporary appeasement for their sins. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. We don't sacrifice animals for our sins. But neither can you go back to your sins once you've been enlightened. The Apostle Peter said this in Second Peter chapter 2. If you go back to your sins after being enlightened, it would have been better had you never been enlightened. For the Faith that awaits you will be very serious. We don't live by the Old Testament laws, the laws of Moses, but we live by the New Testament laws, the laws of God for the New Testament church as recorded in the New Testament. Now, there are many promises in the Old Testament. 
and I find the Old Testament to be wonderful to read. The examples are very encouraging. And there is a good purpose for the Old Testament. Paul said all these things happen unto them as examples for us, that we would not do sin. There are very vivid examples in the Old Testament. We'll cover many of them. But the Sabbath of the Old Testament, as you see by these scriptures, was very rigid. We are free from that Sabbath. Our Sabbath is to live godly lives daily, calling on God daily and following what he shows us, rather than our own conjurings and our own works. We live in a continual Sabbath. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.